Hello and welcome to another episode of DD Teach. I am Kieran Lefort, eager to learn as always, and joining me, as always, is the man with all the knowledge, Mark Buckledy. How are you doing, Mark? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Uh, not bad. Not bad. A stressful day, but this should help me calm down and zen out a bit. Hopefully people will also notice a uh, uh, an improvement in audio quality. Uh, we've uh, applied some technology, so hopefully we'll sound like we're doing Radio 1 drive time. It was uh, eventually uh, applied. My rather Luddite skills came into play, and at least one thing was upside down at one point. <laughs> there was technology, there was engineering, there was computers, uh, there were cranes, there was all sorts of There's a going plastic on, garden but... table. And... Yeah. <laughs> but we got there in the end. So today, I believe we are going to be talking about the championships of DDT. Yes, we are. And uh, it's going to start off quite normal and mm-hmm. it's definitely not going to end that way as is ddt as is ddt so ddt has quite a few titles like there seems to be belts whenever i watch a ddt show there seems to be belts all over the place and there seems to be wackiness going on with all of them so hopefully you can help us clear some of that up today and what's normal what's wacky and what all these titles are yeah should we? Where do you want to start? Should we start with the big one? Do you want to start with the KOD open weight title? Yeah, let's start with that. From the very beginning, DDT was aware that uh, they've got quite a small roster, so it's best to have an open weight title instead of a heavyweight title. KOD stands for King of DDT. So you have the King of DDT title. They have tournaments called the King of DDT tournament. And their other tournament is the DU Grand Prix, which also translates as D-King Grand Prix. So they have an obsession with kings. Um, Well, I guess it marks out, you know, who's at the top. Yeah. So the KOD Openweight title, the first champion was crowned on the 19th of April 2000. Uh, That was Masao Orihara, better known to most people these days. As the reason Excalibur yells Orihara Moonsault all the time. I have seen Masao Orihara live. <laughs> he was on a, uh, one of the shows I went to in Japan was like uh, Real Japan Pro Wrestling, which is basically Tiger Mask, Satoru Sayama's like seniors tour. And it's been going for years. Uh, so I got to see, I got to see Sayama, I got to see uh, Tenru. I got to see the bizarre match of, um, I mean, you would go to this if it was if it was on up the road. Um, uh, Ultimo Dragon and Tatsumi Fujinami against uh, Great Sasuke and Ricky Choshu. <laughs> so that's the level of... And they didn't fill Corican Hall. This is 2007, and they didn't fill Corican Hall with these names. And yes, on the undercard was uh, Masao Orihara, and he did do the moonsault. It was the only thing anybody popped for in his match. <laughs> so the... Uh, the current DDT, uh, King of DDT, uh, KOD Openweight Champion even, it's uh, Tetsuya Endo. He's the 77th champion. Uh, this weekend will determine whether there's a new champion because, of course, he's facing um, Yuki Ueno on the 1st of May at the uh, next big show. 
And we covered uh, we covered him uh, Endo taking the title from uh, Knoske to uh, an episode or two ago, didn't we? Yes, we did. Yeah. Um, so the so when it comes to the big title, the man is uh, Harashima. He's had ten reigns. He's held the damn thing for about one thousand three hundred and forty-four days. I say about, but and give an accurate number. Imagine three years of your life being like the champion of something. Oh yeah, it's. It, I mean, Bruno Sammartino is probably sitting here listening to this because, of course, he downloads this going. Pah, what do they know? But yeah, three years. <laughs> It's a long time. It's an awful lot. And uh, Takeshita is the only person that's actually had a reign that was over one year long. So he's the longest reigning champion. Mm-hmm. The uh, The next title we'll discuss is actually, it's the, I think it's the newest title, uh, typical DDT, um, confusing me slightly. Uh, and that is the DDT Universal title, which has uh, basically become their secondary belt. It's a bit like the Intercontinental title that New Japan had uh, yeah. for a while, in that it's um, it's something for someone else other than the top guy to have, uh, something to help give them a bit of uh, experience before they go for the main belt. So the mm. first champion was Chris Brooks, um, but the the title went back and forth, and then it was kind of made by Yuki Ueno, who had a, a very good uh, two hundred and ninety odd day long reign with the title to establish it, and then dropped it to Daisuke Sasaki. And my interest in watching those matches dipped. <laughs> uh, the The current champion is Mao, and I'm really looking forward to uh, Mao's next defense is against Asuka, and that should be very interesting because the sheer athletic potential between those two is high. Yeah, I think so too. They're both uh, they're both people I enjoy watching. They're usually both highlights of uh, highlights of a DDT show. Uh, so put them in, in the ring together. Have they ever had a, a singles match before? I'm probably putting you on the spot by asking that, aren't I? They they used to. Um team up occasionally in terms mm-hmm. of have they had a match before i honestly can't tell you off the top of my head and this is uh peek behind the curtain this is probably where both of us are frantically cage match searching right uh now. cage match suggests no yep probably not then i know that i have actually seen them wrestle in the same match which was mm-hmm. at kbs hall yes the venue with the fancy stained glass window oh it's on my bucket list yeah. Uh I got absolutely soaked uh that day going to the <laughs> venue to the extent I had to watch the show in old clothes because they were the only clothes in my luggage that weren't wet. <laughs> and that's more than anyone ever needs to know about that. <laughs> One day we will do a show or a little series talking about our in-person DDT experiences. Yeah. Like what it's like to be at a live DDT show, I think. And my first show is really helped by the fact that DDT have started uploading those matches onto DDT Univers- Wrestle Universe. Oh, nice. Uh, How handy. Okay, so now the next title, we've got the KOD Tag Team Titles. And uh, what I love about this is they did the whole Pat Patterson routine on it. The first champions... Nosawa Ronga and Takashi Sasaki won the titles in Mexico. Of course they did. Uh, so this was back in 2001. So they came in with the championships as champions. Uh, 
Current champions are CDK, which is Chris Brooks and uh, Masahiro Takanashi. Um, sometimes I have to remember because he has had a couple of different first names, and that's when he's not pretending to be a, a maid in Tokyo Joshi Pro. Yes, uh, and we covered their title win, and we covered him as a maid in Tokyo Joshi Pro on the uh, when we talked about the uh, Ryugoku shows recently. Yep. They're a good tag team, actually. I, uh, I quite enjoyed that tag match. The last couple of minutes, I remember being really good. And like, anybody who's followed British wrestling like knows what they're getting from Chris Brooks. Yeah. Uh, and Takanashi has been around for a lot longer than I thought he had. Oh, he's uh, he's like mid to even, maybe even early, but definitely mid-2000s. Mm. He's been around for a while and uh, a bit deep in the weeds, but his uh, title match against Daisuke Sekimoto in... 2010 is up there with one of the best this is way better than it had any right to ever be matches in ddt i love those kind of matches like the the pleasant surprise matches oh it's it is very much one of those so harishima again has held the title more than anyone else so Mm -hmm. he's had 11 title reigns under three different gimmicks (laughs) with eight different partners so his tag partners, uh, Kudo, Toru Awashi, Hiro, in this case Hiro was actually Minoru Fujita, uh, Yasu Urano, uh, Yuko Miyamoto of uh, more of BJW fame, uh, now Michi Marafuji. Oh, God, that sounds like a great tag team. Oh, it was... Uh, Marafuji and Harashima sounds like a great tag team. Yeah. Um, and two people just like I hadn't thought of teaming up, even though I know Marafuji has done a bunch of DDT. Mm. Uh, and then Yuji Okabayashi as well, and his uh, last uh, tag team partner and still regular partner is Naomi Yoshimura, which is a good fit for Yoshimura because it's mm. put him in there with a guy that has literally been there, done that in DDT. Yeah. Yes. Has a wardrobe full of the T-shirts. Oh, yeah. Um, the the next title is another normal one. It's the KOD six-man tag team titles. Um, <laughs> I like how... <laughs> if, you haven't, if you hadn't realised the fuse had been lit, like going through the normal titles before we get to the, the wacky stuff at the end. Oh, oh yeah. It's... Um, the levels of sanity are slowly starting to drop because uh, I see, and that's kind of why and... that's kind of why we're we're cracking through these as well because they they function just like championships do in any other promotions. If you've seen uh, a world champion or a tag team champions in any other promotion in the world, like these are exactly the same. They're very very normal. Yeah. So the first six man title champions were. Team Dream Futures, uh, and people not aware of this, so this was back in 2013. Team Dream Futures was three guys that DDT had a lot of hope for. It was um, it was uh, Keisuke Ishii, now of Gambare Pro. It was Soma Takao, now of DDT Midcard and sometimes Gambare Pro. And Shigehiro Irie, who's basically almost anywhere that isn't DDT or New Japan right now. <laughs> a strong heart. Yeah. Uh, and a weird fit for that group, I think, as well. Like, Well, they they were... Um, so those three were a very strong unit and they did have a mm. very strong connection. 
and mm. uh, I'm sure Ishii and Irie uh, Irie actually had some title runs outside of DDT as a team because they had really mm. good chemistry. Um, but they've all gone their separate ways, as it were. Um, so they've only been 44 um, champions, he says. Then he realizes, hold on, this is a title that's not 10 years old yet. But yeah, so <laughs> pheromones are the 44th champions. Uh, and yeah, it's pheromones. Um, Harashi? Oh, the... Damnation TA are the current six-man champs, aren't they? Oh, Damnation TAR, which shows how old my notes were when I did <laughs> when I wrote my notes for this one. Uh, <laughs> and that is uh, the level of professionalism you occasionally get from me. It's one horrible team defeated another horrible team for these titles. Yes. Like, I cannot... Daisuke Sasaki, Minoru Fujita, and MJ Paul, the Haunted Easter Egg, against Dan Chokotino, Yuki Ino, and Yumihito... Uh, Fantastic Imanari. Yes. Um, I, can't, I have no desire to ever see that match, any combination of that match. Yeah. Uh, I said that Harishima had been there, done that. He'd never won this title, which shocked oh. me. Um, well, it'll give him something to do when he's in his 50s. Yeah, it gives him something to do in his 50s. So only another six years. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, he's got something else to do if he wants... Uh, to kill the time and we'll get to that in a minute um, yes so suffice to say lots of guys held the six man titles because ddt um are a bit like classic all japan in the way that they are not afraid of having their top champions also hold tag team titles at the same time yeah. so a lot of the top guys would be a tag champ or a six-man champ at the same time that they've got the, the titles. And I see nothing wrong with that at all. Like every every championship in a promotion should be a goal. And now we come to the cursed title of DDT. <laughs> uh, and you'll see what I mean by this. So it is the KOD 10-man tag team titles. And it is a perfect example of why you do not have a 10-man title because the curse is essentially they uh, crown a champion and then they can't get the whole five-man team together in one place to book another match. Which is why it was an eight-man title for a while as well. Yep, we'll get to that. So the first champions, now this is proper what? So you've got Ken Oka, now of Gumbare Pro. You've got Makoto Oishi. You've got Super Sasadango Machine. You've got Lilico, who is the uh, voice actress of Eric Cartman. And you've got... Whose retirement we watched. Whose retirement we watched on our uh, one of our most mm. recent shows. And you've got Ladybeard, who is yes. a, uh, a bearded man who basically dresses up like an idol with... Uh, with uh, yeah, he's a, uh, he's a large Australian man who basically he dresses like... Dresses like a female idol, but sings metal. Yes. And he was yes. involved with DDT off and on for a few years. So I find that not remotely surprising. Yeah. So basically, the history of the title, crown the title, have one defense, and then basically forgot about the title for over a year, if not longer, realized, hold on, we'll do something with it, had... Uh, declared it vacant, had another title match, and then the exact same thing happened again. <laughs> which, which is why in February 2021, 
they brought the titles back as an eight-man tag title. Um, and that went through a few changes. And then they decided they wanted it as a 10-man title again, but they would not let the champions actually add an extra member. Yes, so we watched a match for the 10-man title that was five five people against three people and a blow-up doll yes. for the 10-man tag titles. Oh, yes. Uh, and that was uh, the title changed hands thanks to... Um, one of the three men getting hypnotized and joining the other side. Yes. And that is not a joke. That is what happened. Your current champions are uh, Mikami, uh, Tanom Sak Toba, Gentaro, Poison Sawada Julie, and Takashi Sasaki as the more normal of the lot, considering that the previous one's gimmicks are Japanese Jeff Hardy that does lots of schoolboys, uh, Thai kickboxer, um, solid wrestler who sadly is uh, significantly broken down thanks to, I believe he had a stroke at one point, and uh, Snake Man Hypnosis Master is the best yes, way to I was gonna say Julie. I was going to say Hypnotic Snake Man, yes. yes. If you're listening to a DDT podcast and you don't know, like, this is the realms the promotion gets into, uh, welcome to your first show for a start. <laughs> Uh, yeah. uh, and secondly, uh, watch some Wrestle Universe. Oh yeah. Um, so the next title is the over forties title. Now this oh, is something I can go for. Now this is a parody of New Japan had an under thirty title, which Hiroshi mm. Tanahashi uh, defended for years, a bit like the old ECW uh, FTW belt. And the idea was it was something to give Tanahashi a reason to have singles matches lower down on the card to give him the experience and give him the aura this you could argue is designed to uh do that for the older guys but the current champion has held it for over 500 days and i don't think he's had a title defense (laughs) okay (laughs) so the first champion was sanshiro takagi the current champion Mm. is toro washi and i legit don't think he's defended the damn thing and there's only been one other champion in the in between those two, and, and I, that's Gorgeous Matsuno, yes. who is, uh, I mean, he could be forty twice. Yes, he is a uh, quite a He's quite an elderly man. Very much over forty. So that might be Harashima's next project if he decides to get really weird. And speaking of really weird, we come to the defunct DDT title. And uh, mm. I'm not sure if Kieran has heard of this. It is the King of Dark title. I have not heard of this. This is new to me. The King of Dark title, which uh, basically has been inactive and was sort of abandoned in 2018. Uh, the first champion was Gota Ihashi. Now, Gota Ihashi is a fairly returned yet athletic man who often wears yellow trunks, which is a choice when you're fairly rotund. Um, he looks like a beach ball in Speedos. Yes. Basically, yes. His other gimmick is he's Kotrobushi's mate. Uh, you might have... If you've seen a la- rather large man on a DDT show, basically in the butt monkey role, that was probably go to Ihashi. Mm. Um, so the King of Dark is this. You win the title by losing. And once you win the title... You cannot wrestle on the main card. 
it basically banishes you to the dark match. And okay, you can, so you're you're then trying to get rid of it. You're trying to get rid of it by it's <laughs> a hot potato that forces you to stay on the dark match. <laughs> so you're literally facing people in the dark match and trying to beat them just so you can actually get a, a booking on the regular card. <laughs> uh, this lasted about three years because uh, it's not the kind of joke that's got a long uh, shelf life. Uh, yeah. There were 20 champion, 20 title reigns, sorry. Six of them would go to Ihashi, which kind of sums up his position in the company. Uh, although the president had it, uh, Sanchiro Takagi was champion once, I believe. But yeah, so that is the King of Dark title, which is definitely one out of the, yes, this was an idea they had, and this was an idea they stopped using. They'll find it in a bin one day, yeah. I'm sure. Uh, and speaking of in a bin, next is a title that looks like it was in a bin. Because <laughs> it, it, it's got charm, but it does look like people uh, got some leather and just covered it in glue and threw it in the trash. It's the DDT Iron Man Heavy Metal Weight title. I will not have you talking about the Iron Man Heavy Metal Weight title like that. This is a wonderful championship. Oh, I It looks better than the title it's based on, which is the old WWF hardcore title. Um, even though you are right, it does look like crap. I, it's got a lot of charm. It's very charmingly rubbish, which they, kind of sums up a lot of things in DTT. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, charming rubbish is a good way to put it. Um, it's like they definitely book it and think about it better and much more than wwe do their equivalent which is the 24 7 title oh yes it's um and they think about it more than the original version of that title as well yes exactly it's um i i find iron man heavy metal weight uh matches defenses and everything surrounding this belt to be tremendously entertaining um, I don't know if I've mentioned it on this show before, but I've certainly mentioned it to you privately. It is my goal to one day, even for five seconds, be the Iron Man Heavy Metal Weight Champion. I have a friend, I've not spoken to him for a while, but uh, I have a friend that I used to e-fed for. Yes, that is how geeky my wrestling fandom uh, <laughs> levels have gotten to points. And he has held the title. That, uh, so shout out to Mike Kingston of the Headlock Comic fame. Uh, I believe he either won it or lost it via paper cut. Oh, painful. I think he, uh, I think there was paper being held between the web of the fingers and Ah. it was a, if you don't uh, give up, I will keep doing this scenario. Well, I I need to sit on my hands now. That that makes my fingers feel all weird. Yeah. So the history of this title, um, uh, I can't. I'm not, I wanted to swear, but I'm not going to. An awful lot of people have held this belt. So, yes, um, it was uh, it was actually created pretty much during the heyday of the original WWE 24/7 Hardcore title back in June 2000. So this was after the WrestleMania uh, golf buggy match, wasn't it? Or was that 2001? Uh, that was 2001. Okay, so oh. it was before that. The first champion was Poison Suwada Julie. 
he came out, he announced that he had created this title and got pinned immediately. <laughs> and that is the best Start way as you mean to go on. Start as you mean to go on. So this is a title that's been held by everyone and anything. The current champion is uh, Shinichiro Kawamatsu of the Tokyo Metropolitan Assembly. Which is oh. which is essentially like the Washington D.C. version of the Senate. It's like a state senator kind of yeah. level guy, and he's not the first politician that's held that title. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I've got some personal highlights. Uh, do you have some personal highlights for this title? Uh, the the first one that comes to mind is the DDT show I was at where the title changed hands before the official match backstage and it was won by a large New Year's mochi cake (laughs) uh, which was then uh, pinned by I want to say I want to say Toro Washi in the match itself I can't I haven't watched the match uh, for a while Um, just any of like the the wacky champions and kind of like the the steps that go on uh i mean i i I love that it can be won by anyone um uh i love that it has been i love that it has won itself so here's one uh that (laughs) i like uh so you who was uh part of tokyo joshi pro uh found a room to hide in when she was champion ate some food with some chopsticks and then took a, a nap so referee Yukinori Matsui comes in and sees that on top of you are her chopsticks. One, two, three. The chopsticks are now the champions. <laughs> uh, Royce Isaacs, who is uh, in New Japan Strong of all places right now, uh, gets a hold of these chopsticks, uses his behind, his miracle ass, to snap the chopsticks and wins by knock technical knockout and becomes a new champion. Amazing. Yeah, we've had, uh, you mentioned Mochi. Uh, Yaki Tori has held this title an awful lot. Oh, really? Like, the, least, same, the same stick? Uh, well, considering it gets eaten, I assume it's a different <laughs> Yaki Tori. Um, I would hope so. Uh, the, the other one I want to quickly mention before we... Uh, before I throw it back to you, and then we've got a couple of matches to discuss, is uh, the 2009 meal preparation scenario, as I put it. What? <laughs> uh, so this is, uh, I'm going off um, Dramatic DDT, uh, which is uh, a website run by uh, a good friend of mine, Jamie, who knows his stuff and has been covering DDT for a while. Uh, So the title was won by a desk. A dish was then put, a bowl was put on the desk. So the bowl won the title. Some, it gets better. Rice. I can see where he's going. Rice was then put in the bowl, became the champion. (laughs) Some curry was put on the rice. A mince cutlet, what is actually listed as excellent mince cutlet. So, Oh, nice. Uh, was put on the curry. And then Yusuke Inakuma ate the mince cutlet and won by technical knockout. Amazing. Uh, the, it's performance art. It's wonderful. Oh, it, the, the level of thought that goes into the sheer bollocks 
behind DDT <laughs> yeah. is is one of the things I love about it. Yeah. Uh, we should talk about a match. So we actually watched a couple of matches for uh, for this. Oh, technic- uh, do you want to do the short one first or the long one first? We'll do first? the short one first because it's not really right. a match. No, uh, I will read you the entirety of my notes for this. Um, I don't know who she is. I just called it Woman versus Apple. Uh, I very much enjoy that the Japanese for Apple is Ringo, but spelt out in katakana as if that's what English speakers also call them. Um uh, you, as you put it to me, um, she was on a TV show. She was the champion uh, with the belt over her shoulder, and she's on this TV show, this talk show, trying to, as you put it, Danny Hodge an apple, which is basically like crush it in one hand and, and break it. And she's struggling and struggling, and she says, I can't do it. I give up. And a referee appears and says, did you say you give up? And she says, yes, I give up. So the referee declares that she submitted, takes the title off her, and awards it to the apple. That's the whole match. That that's the joy of DDT. So, yep. uh, the idol was uh, a lady called Ling Ling, and I am not making this next bit up. You might think I am. I am not. She's part of a group called Innocent Ass. Alrighty. Uh, <laughs> I honestly had to double check her because it's like, it is the internet making a joke at my expense? Well, she had an album called Brand New Idol Shit, so. <laughs> She likes her naughty English words. Yeah. Something about idols and naughty English words. Uh, <laughs> yep. Uh, so shall we talk about the other match, which is slightly longer and uh, a peek behind the curtain. This is probably the match that made me a DDT fan. Okay. Interesting. Uh, it also says something about my level of taste and quality because there's some <laughs> very not good wrestlers in this match. Well, um, I recognised uh, two and a half people, uh, not including the champion in this match. Um, it is an Iron Man heavyweight uh, title defence. It is a 10-minute battle royal, and your champion going in is a ladder. Uh, let me refresh. I believe on commentary I could have misheard. It's... El Hio del Ladder. Oh, the son of the original ladder. Son of the original ladder. This is the amazing. Third, this is the third ladder that held that title. Oh wow! So, all right, three sticks of yakitori, three different ladders. Um, this is from uh, April Fool, two thousand and seven. That's the name of the show, not just the day. Um, and in Corican Hall, where all the good stuff takes place. Um, and it opens with um. I put some Salseros are backstage having a chat and a jig about. Uh, one of them is Poison Salsa Julie. Uh, the other one we've identified as Mango Fukuda. So that's two of the three people I recognize in this match. Um, oh, he was the half. Uh, Fukuda was the half. Uh, they plot something in front of the camera and then burst into a locker room along with Antonio Honda, seemingly kidnapping three humans and the champion ladder in a flurry of maraca waving. Uh, a referee springs into the shot and signals for the bell to the ring to ring. So I guess the match has started. Uh, various people attack the ladder with strikes and get two counts. I, Sometimes I'm, they even fight each other. I'm going to jump in very quickly, um, mm-hmm. as is my role as educator. Uh, first point, the, the referee, I believe it is the podcast debut of Megumi Grace Asano, who was uh, a regular referee in DDT until... I think the early 2010s. So mm-hmm. 
for me as someone that watched uh, like late 2000s DDT, uh, she was a regular feature as a referee. Um, the other wrestlers involved in the match, you've got Antonio Honda, who at the time was part of the Aloha World Order. Which okay. was a, That's what the t-shirt was. Which was a Hawaiian-themed stable with uh, Dick Togo um, and uh, Shuchi Ishikawa under the gimmick Koo, which is basically a kind of bad cane gimmick. A Hawaiian okay. cane is the best way to describe Koo. <laughs> I mean, just the idea of Kane in flip-flop shorts, Hawaiian shirt, and the Kane mask is... Uh... Yeah. Um, well, he didn't wear shorts. He just wore pleather, red pleather. Okay. Why not? Uh, as, as most people did in 2007 in wrestling. Oh, yes. Uh, so the other people in the match were Naoshi Sano, uh, who's a kind of semi-infamous, fa- slash famous, slash oddball uh Japanese indie sleaze guy. Uh, Gorgeous Matsuno, who we will come to. Uh, Yes. And uh, Mikami. Now, Mikami, I've described him already. He is uh, a lover of swantons and a lover of schoolboys. And he was actually one of DDT's um, mid-card level guys uh, at this period of time. So It's a name I have seen around... Uh, like all over like Japanese wrestling in in like this era uh like low level Jap- lower level Japanese indie wrestling in this era but like I could not point apart from this one I could not point to a match I have seen with him in so the match is finally in the ring the humans have stopped fighting the ladder and sometimes fight each other uh Julia and uh Fukuda double team the ladder but it skillfully reverses a double suplex uh, and somewhat hits a top rope Frankensteiner on Julie uh julie fights back with mist to the top step uh, and then applies cattle mutilation but it gets broken up uh 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 now who takes uh, mikami if i'm getting right mikami takes it up to the balcony yes he does uh, and has a fight with the ladder in the balcony and then i was fearing for the safety of the paying customers because he hurls it out of the balcony right over some seating uh onto honda and friends uh this does result in a small holy shit chant to which the commentator asks, is this Corican Hall or ECW Arena? <laughs> I did not catch that. Uh, uh, they get back into the ring and someone does, I say someone, I now know it's gorgeous Matsuno, uh, does a terrible version of Taiji Ishimori's superstar elbow. It takes him it, two goes it, to do it that badly. Te- terrible is actually being nice. It is one of the most atrocious bits of wrestling you will see. <laughs> it, and awful and the so the thing with matsuno is everyone knew that he was quite that he was bad so Mm. it's kind of they are laughing at him uh and as a kind of i'm not sure if he's in on the joke at this point but the audience definitely (laughs) it's hard to tell right because uh he's in he's he's in on the current joke that he's old uh, I, I, I kind of mentioned this before we started recording. I didn't recognise him in this match. There was I had no list of participants. I just had this match to watch. Um, I thought he was somebody who looked like a younger, gorgeous Matsuno. And I was ex- like, this is what 15 years has done to him, I guess. Like, turned him into this uh, shriveled version of Milano Collection AT, <laughs> um, as opposed to uh, a slightly younger looking man in a big... Uh, 
puffy gold shirt it is a as very it was in this puffy one. shirt it was huge um i i want so, to jump in quickly one of the things mm-hmm. i like about this match is everyone sells the ladder like it's a ladder made of metal like every yes, time anyone every- hits a ladder it hurts them and that's yes. glorious level of logic to what is otherwise sheer nutty bollocks i did like i thought uh in the same way that kazuki hirata has become the guy who can work yoshihiko the best i thought antonio honda and his interactions with the ladder in this match were fantastic oh he was incredible he knew exactly how to sell it how to play it yep there is a bit where he is uh, having a striking battle with somebody else next to the ladder and turns to the ladder and makes it give him a headbutt to knock him out of the ring. And it's it's so slickly done. It's really, really good. Um, remind me of the name of the guy who was getting booed all the time. Uh, Naoshi Sano. That's the guy. Uh, I was going to say Naoki Sano, but that's a different guy. Uh, far more prestigious. Um, uh it, I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with him, but he gets booed constantly. Whenever he gets in the ring, like the whole place just boos him mercilessly. Um, he gives the ladder a brain buster or a top step buster, I suppose. Um, Honda then comes in and he has an attempt at putting an octopus hold on the ladder, which he gets halfway through before falling off. But it's amazing. Oh, it, it is. It's a sheer lo- and Honda was maybe three years in his career at max at this point. Mm. And it's just an amazing bit of comedy wrestling. Yeah. Uh, he then gives the thing a giant swing, knocking everybody else down and just about makes the cover. But so does everybody else. Uh, the ladder is too strong though and gives a monster kick out or two and then 10 minute time limit expires and it has survived with oh, its you, title. You've, you've missed over my favourite spot in the match. So, mm-hmm. uh, and this is mostly because of the reaction. So, Mikami had so every wrestler has their their time with the ladder one on one. Mikami has the ladder. He hits it with a modified six one nine. Hits a snapmare and then goes to the top rope. And the entire crowd have this amazing reaction of just going eh, because yes. they because it's like. Mikami's going for a swanton and they are completely questioning the sheer level of stupidity of hitting this move. Yeah, it's not not the wisest of moves. He hits it, though. He gives it the he full beans. It. And his selling afterwards when he realises, oh, shit, that hurt, had me cackling. It's, yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> it's just a great bit of logical... And, and that's the thing about this match. It is stupid. It pushes the boundaries of wrestling... Uh, and uh, the fourth wall is, well, not the fourth wall, that's something completely different, but the uh, uh, kayfabe does not come through uh, unscathed, let's put it this way, but there is a level of logic underlying this match, especially with the selling that I'd love. It's the, I think that's the same way with a lot of the best comedy in wrestling. Like, it's, like, I am a huge fan of the Florida Brothers from Dragon Gate same. back in the day. Yeah, and... Like, although their stuff was... I can understand people who get mad at, at mad at it because it's a lot of it is kayfabe breaking, but it was supposed to be a parody of, like, 80s American wrestling, which is not, although people believed it, is not the most real type of 
fake pro wrestling you can watch. Mm. And they did ridiculous stuff with the barrier, like an invisible wall and all kinds of things. But there was a level of logic that also ran through it. Like things like, I mean, I say logic, but like um, uh, uh, winning by disqualification because somebody uh, pulled off uh, someone's hand uh, well, they had a fake hand um uh winning by disqualification because uh their opponent had busted them open with a chair only they hadn't busted them open they'd snuck a, a bottle of ketchup into the ring and just poured it all over their faces um yeah it's 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 logic within lunacy yes uh and that's that descri- I think that describes quite well like the best of uh, DDT uh, comedy. I am going to call out Gorgeous Matsuno. He was absolutely terrible in this match. Yeah. And then at the end of it, he seems to go into business for himself, engineering further near-fall situations with the ladder mm. while everybody else is walking off and getting the referee to come over. Like At one point, the ladder is on top of him and he clearly signals the ref to come over and count. DDT has a history of having wrestlers who are not great because understandably the talent pool in wrestling mm. uh, for a while was not strong and DDT did not, um, was, it took a while for DDT to get a pipeline of their own talent. Uh, yeah. So there's... They're not paying the big bucks. The You know, the yes. best talent is not going to go to DDT. They have to develop it from yes. within. So there's a history of having guys that... Uh, it almost becomes an in-joke of, yes, we know this guy's crap, but he mm. does crap in a, a funny way. Even mm. if it's uh, accidental funny, not purposeful funny. Yeah. Um, we have a, a coda to this match. Uh, we oh, see yes. a fire escape uh, with the ladder uh, kind of just kind of taking a break. Uh, and then the referee appears uh, and slyly trips over and places her miniature dachshund on top and counts to three. The dog is now the champion uh, and dog and referee abscond off into the Tokyo afternoon. I, I love the when they literally run off down the stairs. That is an incredible closing shot to a one hour TV yeah. show. <laughs> yes. uh, the dog was called Coco. Oh, well, there we go. What do we got left? We've got one title left. It is mm-hmm. the DDT Extreme title. Mm. Uh, and so uh, the best way to describe it, uh, if you are a British wrestling fan or were, you might have heard of the Progress Proteus title. If you're a current New Japan fan, you've probably heard of and probably dislike the King of Pro Wrestling trophy. Yes. Uh, both of these have the uh, the gimmick of the champion can choose whatever rules they like, more or less. Mm. Both of these are complete rip-offs of the DDT Extreme title. It, th- this is DDT's Simpsons. Uh, Simpsons did it first, basically. Yes. <laughs> um, the DDT Extreme title was uh, first around in 2006, the current champion is Yuki Ino, and uh, we won't be discussing his current title reign. Um, the long- I've just seen the match he won it in. Yeah. Oh, um, so the person that's held the title the most is uh, Dan Shoku Dino, who's had it for oh, for close to two years, I believe. 781 mm. days. No, that is longer than two years. Uh 
The second longest running champion is former UFC fighter Shinya Aoki, of all people. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the best way to describe this title is it is a title that embodies the champion. So mm-hmm. when the champion is someone like Dan Shokudino or currently Yuki Ino, the stip gets quite pervy. Yes. There's no way to put it about. The stip gets uh, often gets a bit risque. Um, you can then get the title on someone uh, like Antonio Honda or uh, Super Sastango Machine in his cur- previous version of Muscle Sakai. Because these are guys that they're, I get a feeling they know they're wrestling, they're nerds, and they try doing different things. Hmm. So uh, Sakai had a match which was basically you couldn't make any sound. It's against Nasawa, isn't it's it? It's against Nasawa. I've seen this. It's really funny. <laughs> it, yeah. The level of the way they work, the humor is quite... There's lots of little elements you'll see in DDT. Uh, I think Yoshihiko is one. The the element where a match will stop and there'll be uh, a dramatic monologue with music is another one. Yes. I think these are like muscle Sakaiisms because he mm-hmm. he thinks about wrestling quite differently and he's happy to sort of go into the melodramatic side. Um, mm. So Sakai adds bits like that. Um, Antonio Honda's another guy, so he would have like rock and roll death matches where like Thriller is playing in the background and you've got to dance to the music, a bit like a version of um, musical chairs, but as a wrestling match. (laughs) Uh, But he would also have one of my favorite, it's a shit stipulation on paper, but my God, they make it work, which is uh, Antonio Honda versus Hiroshima in a blindfold bra match. Yes, that's right. A blindfold bra match where you win by pinfall, submission, or removing your opponent's bra. All while we should blind- point out that both of, these, both of these competitors are men, in case you haven't seen them before. They, they are both men, and they yes. are both blindfolded. And yes. it's, uh, it's a match that I absolutely adore because... It, People that know me and people that have heard me probably realize I like people to think about wrestling in a slightly different way. I like things that play with the rules and explore what is wrestling. And they do a fantastic job of the DDT crowd when it's on is up for anything. And Mm. that match just works. Um, Sadly, one of the examples that we're going to discuss is not in front of a DDT Korokum crowd and I think suffers a little for that and we'll get to that in a minute. Yep, we can get into it now if you like. Yep, uh, very quickly before we do, um, DDT often have outsiders win this title and mm-hmm. almost always it's a deathmatch guy, which means that quite a few reigns will basically be, it will be a, um, a deathmatch or a hardcore title. So, and even in... Uh, later years, uh, often you'll find that the title ends up becoming a plunder match title. 
Yeah, it's you know it's, it's called extreme for a reason, I guess. Yeah. The ne- yeah. the next match we're going to discuss is not a plunder match, and it is, uh, as I said, it is taking a well known trope and it is playing with it slightly. It is a last man standing match. Now, technically, uh, it's not. <laughs> Yes, yes. So that's what I was going to get into. Uh, so Akito is your champion here. This is from May the 17th, 2015, uh, from a uh, show I've forgotten the name of. I, I was hoping Mark could fill me in and he just went silent. Yeah, I, I know it's a free name title and friendship is one of them, but off the top of my head. Uh, I, I wrote down FEV. It's F-E-V and I can't remember what they stand for. Somebody who's more of a DDT nerd than us is yelling at their... Um, oh, they wax them in the machine are. right now. Uh, yes. I. This is, again, my level of professionalism. I should have written that down, and I did not. Uh, it was uh, 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 Friendship, Effort, Victory in Nagoya. There we go. Yeah, rolls off the tongue. It certainly does. Akito is the champion. Uh, Shigehiro, Shigehiro Irie is the challenger. It is called a last man standing match. However... Yeah. It is actually an old-style Texas death match in its rules yeah. with added submissions. Um, so it's not your WWE-style knock someone down and they have a 10-count to get up uh, style. What it is is if you pin your opponent or make them submit, uh, I mean pin them for a full three count or make them submit, they then have a 10-count to get up. This confused the hell out of me for the first 15 minutes of this match. I probably should have warned you on this. And it's fine. I've seen this style of match before, but not for a long time. The most famous style I can think of is uh, Vader versus Cactus Jack from um, Halloween Havoc 1993. They do a pretty good version of this type of match. The, um, I, I want to give a little bit of context coming into this match. So the two mm-hmm. things... Um, and it's kind of summed up by the opening video package, which is done to Radiohead's Creep. We have to talk about. We have to talk about what Shigehiro Irie is wearing in oh, that yes. video. He has a uh, Kermit the Frog cap on and what appears to be a Disney princess's T-shirt. Yes, uh, Irie is a well-professed. He has often professed his love of Disney and Winnie the Pooh, <laughs> and yeah, he he has his nerd flag fully flying with what he's wearing. And his entrance gear for this match, I described it as Battle Bear. Yeah, it's he's has furry boots, furry gauntlets, a full headpiece. It l- basically looks like his 10-year-old son has got his class to make dad's headpiece. Um there's a green cape, there's shoulder pads. It's it's an impressive getup. Yeah. Uh the so both these wrestlers basically they're from the Nagoya scene, so this is their this is their local venue basically. This is their Okay, local- so yeah. Uh, which is why they got the opportunity. Um, and Ir- at this point, Irie has greatly surpassed Akito. So Irie has been the champion. He's a much stronger guy. So this is kind of Akito trying to think, what stipulation can I come up with which is going to help me survive against someone who in a normal match will probably beat me a lot easier. So that's a bit of context going into this. Also, mm. side fact... Both wrestlers were in part trained by El Samurai, of all people. Wow. I've seen him live too. He was drunk. Um, 
Yeah, so the, one of the other confusing things about this, so it's called a last man standing match. We describe them as being like kind of Texas death style rules. But it's like, and it's for a title called the extreme title, but it's a friendly sporting rivalry between between them. Like they don't mm. hate each other in a way you would normally think this kind of stipulation is put on a match. Um, they're shown as chummy in the video um, and the match starts with smiling, a handshake, a lockup and actual wrestling. Most so notably, the match has been going for 90 seconds when Irie runs the ropes and immediately breaks the ring. I have seen this in the last year and I completely forgot that happens. <laughs> I think so. I have. I used to work uh, in the British wrestling scene a very long time ago. I have put together, helped put together my fair share of wrestling rings. Um, and I think what happened, so he didn't break the ropes, he didn't break the turnbuckles, he somehow popped the diagonal ratchet strap or wire that goes uh, crosswise underneath, uh, connecting the um, connecting the ring posts underneath, so they don't, so that when you put the ropes on, the posts don't just fall inwards into the middle of the ring. Um, and I think he broke uh, whatever whatever they had underneath that was holding holding all that together. Um, you can hear clanking repair sounds, but can't see anybody doing anything, which is what leads me to believe it was under the ring. Um, and also, like the tension returns to the ropes from the bottom one up, although pretty soon only the top one is tight and the other two are still a bit kind of loose. And you can see like there's a lot of um, discussions going on at ringside and uh, uh, referee Matsui keeps leaning out of the ring to have a quick word with the, the ring crew. Um, what there what is a helps bit... is that both wrestlers actually have seconds on the outside, so there mm. are people that have a legit reason for being out there. Yeah. Um, there's a bit early on where they're exchanging forearms in the middle of the ring, um, and Akito sells one shot kind of instinctively by falling into the ropes, uh, and Hiroshima dashes over and has a word in his ear, that's probably not a good idea right now, and he steps <laughs> back up. Um, yeah, i got to say, that kind of distracted me from the from the early going of this match mm. it um, it's it is a little bit of a slow it's a slow build match yeah um i like it because of how it plays with things but it, i'm not going to pretend that it's the fastest match it is a bit of a slow build no and there's nothing wrong with a slow paced match and so the story and the um each guy's intentions are very well and clearly laid out um mm. akito realizes Clearly, he is the smaller and faster man, uh, and if uh, the other guy hits him hard enough, like that's it, he's down. So he he his focus is Irie's legs. He's constantly going after a knee. Um, meanwhile, uh, Irie, he's the powerful guy. Therefore, he's going for some big clotheslines and i think he gets um he get two of at least one of his pinfalls comes after this enormous lariat i think um yeah the first one's a lariat and the second one is uh a uh, it's an, an arm trap driver. driver yes uh there's a lovely spot before all that though where um akito is going for a uh, a running drop kick to the knee uh, and Irie just leaps up in the air and comes down backside first on Akito's chest on the mat, just squashes him. And this um, was a, a an Irie uh, staple at this point. It was the flying teddy bear, I believe. He <laughs> All right. Um, he also breaks out of a wacky lucha submission by biting the bottom rope. 
Uh, and then he starts his comeback with uh, two counts off a pile driver. And I always forget what a great top rope splash Irie has. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, and then there's the whopping great Lariat we mentioned uh, for the three count. Uh, this is 15 minutes in, and this was the point where I realized exactly what the rules were. Like, I couldn't figure out why people were kind of like kicking out of stuff when oh, it was. Okay. I, I originally thought it was like last man standing or pinfall or submission would mm. end it. Um, so that leads me to another issue I have with the rules, which is what's the point of kicking out of anything? Just take the three count, and then you've got a referee's count of nine to get back to your feet. Yeah, rather than expending I, the energy with a kick out. I, I, yeah, I get that. It's yeah, um, uh, and uh, you know your your opponent can't attack you while you're while you're down like that. Um, Twenty minutes in, we go off into the crowd. Uh, Irie hurls Akito about six rows deep in the chairs, like he pretty much comes up with a, a, a ticket in his mouth that says "Row F" on it. Um, uh, Irie tries for a second arm track pile driver on a stack of chairs, but Akito reverses it into um, the Shingo Yokosuka like, knee slam onto the stack. Um, and then uh, he gets yelled at by the referee for throwing a chair at Irie in a Texas Death Last Man Standing match. Apparently, chucking chairs at people is not allowed in a, in a Last Man Standing match for the extreme title. Something that I want to point out is pretty much so, as I say, the match has been slow building. Uh, Kito's been working on the legs uh, pretty much from as soon as you've got uh, Irie's first fall. The leg selling from Irie really goes into overdrive. There is a tremendous spot. Um, uh, I did wonder while they were outside, like, why didn't they think of this earlier to give the ring crew like more time to fix the ring? <laughs> Mm. just go and just go and have a wander about for a bit um yeah so we get back inside and irie submits to a figure four uh which starts the down count on him um and like i don't know i like i think that's a bit of a daft rule as well like if you submit you give up that means you can't continue yeah i i i think the problem is so what I like about this match and the reason I think it's called Last Man Standing is because I think it's pretty clear that Akito in his mind had the idea of let's do a Last Man Standing match where the idea is that one wrestler wins because the other person literally cannot stand up. Fair enough. That That's Akito's strategy. So they're kind of playing with it to make it work and to okay. fit in. So I completely get... And, and this is one of the joys of the extreme title it's people playing with things and mm. it doesn't always work and mm. there's it's okay to fail we learn something from it yeah and yeah and i completely get your point i as i say i'm a big fan of this match but i'm also aware that i'm probably one of the biggest fans of the planet of this match and i know why <laughs> i'm a fan of it i think i would have been a bigger fan if i had understood exactly the rule set they were playing to but like, so the version I watched didn't have commentary on it either. Yeah. I have very limited Japanese, but I can pick up some bits and pieces as mm. I go. Um, and I had like no kind of context for what the rules are, what yeah. the rules were going in, which was like, I was spending half the match trying to figure out what the hell was going on. Um, so uh, Irie does get back to his feet uh, and he comes back into the match with what I have just called a disgusting headbutt. It's a proper skull on skull and you can hear it and it's unnecessary and 
this sort of thing should not be allowed. Yeah, there, there's uh, there's a period of headbutts, and some of them I really struggled to work at. Is that shoot or is that just worked in a way that I couldn't tell? And that one was definitely not shoot. There was loud. Oh, okay. yeah. It was it was but, horrible. But the at the very least, yep. it got a three count. Yes, which is all I'll say for it. Uh, and Akito just about gets back up at nine. Uh, Ire hits a fire thunder and then does this amazing sell where he's running the ropes, but his knee gives out and he flies between the bottom and middle ropes of the floor. I absolutely adore this spot. The first time I mm-hmm. saw it, it just took me completely off guard. It's one of those bits where when I think of this match, I think of that spot. It's, yeah. It just stands out and works. And honestly, the more I see this match, the more I realize that the core for me of the good bits is Eerie's selling and Eerie's manners, Eerie's expressions. Cause he just, I sympathize a lot with him. I love his selling. And I don't know why I just love the selling from him. He's uh, like by the end, like he's in tears at the end of the yeah. match, uh, which we're getting to actually. So uh, he struggles back into the ring uh, and Akito hooks on like a combination figure four with a heel hook, gets a second submission and Irie can't stand and break the 10 count. And, I, you may think it's somewhat unkind. I wrote the stupid rules match is over. Um, but yeah, so uh, Irie is, is crying at the end of it, and like he is, um, he looks like he's put his heart into it. Mm. Um, I think it was hampered by the ring breaking. It was hampered by being in front of the crowd. It was in front of because yeah. they were silent for a oh, lot of it. it. Was uh, this was. Um if this was in front of, say, a Corican, it probably yeah. would have helped a lot. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, I'll be honest, there's some matches that you watch, uh, and the more you watch it, the the better it gets for you. This mm. is one that's definitely, I see the flaws more and more that, as I watch it. And, mm. I'm, and I absolutely love this. The first time I watched it, I loved it when I rewatched it uh, about a year or so ago. But definitely it's like, uh, it might have been the mood I was in, but definitely re-watching it this week, I can see the flaws. But I can still see what I liked about hmm. this match when I first saw it. Yeah, I think the rules hampered it. I think a straight match would have served them better. Because I think both guys get... It's like if you go and see a movie that's not very good, but there are one or two actors in it who are giving great performances. Mm. It's the, kind of the best analogy I can come up with off the top of my head at no notice. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I will ever watch it again. I like it and dislike it in equal measure, I think. Yeah. It- I understand what they were trying to do. I'm not entirely sure that it worked. Yeah. As, as, as I say, I am well aware that now, people might not think this. I am someone that does not uh, think that just because I like something, that makes it good. I am well aware that mm-hmm. I have my level of taste and that I will like things that people think are absolutely rubbish. Uh, and I'm happy with that. And I it's honestly, subjective. And I honestly think more people need to think that way because, my God, there's some people that can't smell their own wrestling farts out there. Um, <laughs> Music, movies and wrestling are all subjective. Oh, Exactly. Um, 
But this is a good example of the DDT Extreme title. It's trying something different, and sometimes hmm. that works, and sometimes it doesn't, and some and it works for different people. Uh, and shall we go into yeah. the second match? Yes, I was just about to ask you the very same question, so let's do it. It's another Extreme title match. It is Mao versus uh, Shunma Katsumata in, and I quote, a Kids Room Deathmatch Sauna Count Edition. Yeah. Uh, from Into the Fight on the 28th of February 2021 at Corican Hall. Also, the couple of, so a couple of bits of context. First of all, Shunma Katsumata loves Lego and has been and have been trying to use Lego a few times in his matches before this point. Uh, yes. Okay. That explains quite a lot about what I've seen of Shunma Katsumata since this match. Now, Mao had a Lego match with Shunma. And uh, now these matches are usually called block matches because Lego is infamously litigious when it comes to their blocks being called by brand name in wrestling events. Uh, yes, yes. I, I remember reading something about a match. I don't, I don't think it was in Japan. I think it was I in the US it was and they found out. species wrestling because I know they, they, they had advertised a, a Lego death match and Lego went absolutely fucking not. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the other thing about this match, so it is a 37 count match. And the reason yes. it is 37 count is because if you really stretch it, Sana, Sauna, Sana can be 3-7, Sun, yes. Na. Yes. yes, that is the level of Japanese punning that you get with uh, Japanese wrestling. Yes. So each man has uh, brought things they used to play with as a kid. We say man, they're essentially big kids. They are, yes. Um, uh, so the ring is, uh, there's there's drawings on the ropes uh, in very unfortunate positions for some of the people in the building who definitely would not have been able to see past Shunma's picture of a house and the sun and, and a dog. Um uh, there's a playhouse thing. There's balloons. There's a dinosaur toy. Uh, there's Lego. There's a, tra um, a working train set. Keigo Nakamura is setting up a uh, a working train set while ominous music plays. Um, apparently, Matsui had to approve all of the weapons beforehand. Um, the, the, gimmick, the, w the gimmick was that it could only be weapons that would be suitable in a child's room, in like a I child see. setting. I see. Uh, and the winner is the first person to reach a cumulative count of 37. Other than that, anything goes. Um, Shunma won the title at a hot spring the previous month, I do believe. Yes. So the previous champion was Sanjiro Takagi. And I've said that wrestlers sort of played their own versions of the rules. Takagi mm. decided to basically turn the title into the... Uh, street wrestling or as ddt call it rojo so it was essentially mm. wrestling in random environments and so the last uh match of that reign was in a sauna with sanchura takaki and i believe baton tamagawa i think was also in this match uh and baton he's just a random japanese uh sleazy indie guy all righty uh, it's the best way to describe it was hmm. and this is me double checking and confirming that no it was not batten tamagawa oh no it was batten tamagawa who for some reason was listed on cage match as batten blah blah 
Okay, good. <laughs> Amazing. Um, apologies for that. But yeah. Oh, I was uh, I was slightly disappointed that um, at no point did Shunmi use the snake puppet he brought to the ring with him. Yeah. Also, I quite I, I kind of want that puppet. It looked really cool. That I have some friends that went to uh, Chicago shows. Uh, for, no, not Chicago. Chikara shows. Slightly different <laughs> thing. Um, and they found at I believe it was uh, a used car lot. They found a green bright green toy snake and they rescued it from the barbed wire fence of this toy lot and took it to multiple chikara shows where it was affectionately known as Ophidiana. amazing uh, the only wrestling show i've ever been to in the u.s was a chikara show basically on a housing state uh, housing estate in new york and i almost didn't get in oof uh, because it was in a tiny room and they had sold more tickets than they had space for. Mm. And I basically, I, I didn't have a ticket. I was just going to get one on the door. And I basically got to the front of the the uh, queue and was as English as I could possibly be and went, I've come here from London for this. <laughs> <laughs> in this like shitty community centre in New York. Um, and uh, Eddie Kingston won a match in nine seconds. <laughs> <laughs> My one and only US wrestling experience. Anyway. uh, Yes, anyway. From that to this. Yes. Uh, Another extreme title match that starts with a handshake. Uh, They do a rope running spot, but with a small table in the way, and they incorporate it really well with now doing his drop down on top of it. So good how they Yeah, it's so clever. Uh, And then they do um, the old lucha leg sweeps and pin attempts to kind of get the count over. Um, Then Lego happens. Lego does uh, happen and it happens yes. in volume. Yes. Uh, Mal then shatters a plastic box full of tiny bath ducks over Shunma's head and the ref yells at him for it because apparently that's not something that should be in a children's room. Uh, I think he protests that because there are toy ducks inside, it's perfectly allowed in a children's room. <laughs> um, Shunma takes a huge backdrop onto a pile of Lego. Have you seen the famous Shawn Michaels backdrop where he goes out of the view of the camera and then crashes back to Earth? It's like that, but with a pointier ending. It looks so painful. Also, did you notice both wrestlers are wearing gloves in this match? Yes, they were wearing gloves and their forearms were completely covered, completely red. And no one told the referee about this idea. (laughs) Yeah. I always feel sorry for uh, referees in plunder matches. Like people have been using barbed wire and light tubes and the referee hasn't thought in advance and, you know, like put, uh, put gloves on. I seem to recall, I think it was an ECW match. It was probably a new Jack match and there was shit all over the ring. There was like glass and thumbtacks all over the ring. And the referee to count the pinfall found a baking tray and put that under his hand to make the count. <laughs> Smart. Um, so, uh, there's this massive backdrop into the Lego, followed by Mao dropping a concrete block on Shunma from the top rope. Uh, what's great about this is you think Mao just has like a box full of Lego because all yes. you see is the box and then suddenly this concrete breeze, breeze block just falls yes. out and it's a great, what? Yes. Uh, uh, Matsui yells at him, of course, uh, and Mal uh, protests, I used to play with these as a child. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So that gives uh, Mal a 16-6 lead in counts. Uh, Shunma comes back with a variety of Lego-based offense, an X-Factor onto a train set, which is not something I ever thought I would write. (laughs) 
Uh, a series of cradles and an Enzugiri to take the lead, but Mal drops a Rana into a powerbomb and we're score is even at 22 all. Then they go outside uh, and Mal leans the table up against the railing and again Matsui yells at him uh, and again he protests, I used to play with one of these as a kid. Uh, apparently this is fine. Uh, they make attempts at putting each other through it. Does Shunma have a move called Die Bitch? I don't. Because the commentator definitely yelled, Die Bitch Mal. <laughs> Was this the uh, was this the, the double arm um, the double wrist clutch double stomp on the apron? Or was that no? Stomp? It was uh, I think it was a power bomb attempt, oh. some kind of power bomb. Um, but there's all kinds of yeah. They try all sorts of insane things out on the apron, uh, and Shunma eventually gets smashed through it. Well, smashed into it, and Mao's foot goes through it uh, with oh, a flip tope. The, the the table spot where it it's the equivalent of a table getting shot in the ear. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the, the Japanese table was being very Japanese table about things um, and uh, broke as little as possible as they tend to. Um, I'm assuming that as well as a 37 count, a straight three count would also have ended this. I think the way they play it, I assume it would have. It seems like, because there's lots of kicking out of two. And I know, obviously, there's a psychology of you want to keep the count against you as low as possible. Yeah. Uh, but the, like the, they kick out two of everything. Um, but, but also to be fair, they're not like kicking out of their finishes at two. No, I mean, it does ramp up later as we'll get to, but like, you know, you're right. This isn't like, you know, powerbomb through flaming table. It's a lot of cradles and that kind of mm. thing and weapon shots. Um, they sit at the small table, uh, and um, I was going to say exchange strikes. They hit each other with bits of train track. <laughs> Which is a gloriously stupid visual. It is. Uh, Matsui stops Mao using uh, the bundle of skewers, uh, and then they set off party poppers in each other's mouths over and over again. Uh, Mao then DDTs Shunra on the table and puts him through it with Mike Bailey's moonsault knee drop, which looked, again, impressive and painful. You, what I like about this kind of match is um, Mao has a sense for the spectacular and yeah. knows how to do these really nice looking stuff. One of the things he struggles with is normal structure and something he's, like this hides it quite nicely. Yeah, he's. we talked about this several times. He's athletically very gifted, but I think his, I think his mind is all over the place in in a similar way to the way Kota Ibushi's is. Yeah. But now Ibushi's in New Japan, he has he effectively has people that keep him on the straight and narrow. The, the, Whereas the Mao is, is just allowed to Mao, be this wild problem child. Mao is trying to be different things at the same time. He's trying to yeah. be a very athletic wrestler, but he's also trying to be that classic Sanshiro Takagi style goofy comedy brawler at the same time he tries to be a lot of things and i honestly think example. he i honestly think he works best uh with mike bailey as the moonlight express yeah they, they are a fantastic team they're amazing i saw them they did a tour over here uh, a few years ago i saw them live two or three times and they're a, they're a superb tag team uh and there he's got he has structure like there's the structure of a tag team match he has a partner who can say maybe don't do that you know that kind of thing um yeah uh 
there is when he's allowed to to run free he um he really does oh yeah i guess yeah so we're now at uh all tied up at 32 32 uh, Mao hits something akin to Sakiakai's Quetzalcoatl through another plastic case and what looked like a top rope power slam to reach 36. So he needs just one more count to win. Uh, he ruins Shunma with a run of brutal weapon strikes and then a, a big running palm strike. But Katsumata kicks out before the first count every time. Uh, Shunma sends Mao into mini orbit with a running super kick. Oh, his- this is incredible super kick spot. Yeah. Yeah, well, firstly, I don't know how he did it at a run. So it's not a Yakuza kick style. Like, he does the, the, the proper, you know, sweet chin music turn and thrust, so to speak. Uh, and I think Mao tried to take the Rikishi bump off it. But because he was running as well, like, his momentum was going in strange directions. And he sort of curls up on his side, but spins through the air at the same time. It's very. It looks spectacular, but it's very, very weird. Um, he comes back from that though uh, and gets a two count off an Olympic slam through what appears to be a Duplo playhouse, uh, and it's now thirty six to thirty five in Mao's favour. Uh, no, that's not right. No, it was thirty six to thirty five in Mao's favour. Yeah, it was, but I got it right the wrong way. Uh, it's uh, it's Shunma who does the Olympic slam, not Mao. So he is now, Mao needs one point to win and uh, Shunma needs two points to win. In desperation, Shunma goes under the ring and pulls out what I've called a barbed wire contraption uh, that he wraps himself in and goes for a top rope barbed wire splash. Uh, He misses and Mao jackknife pins him, but Shunma rolls through into his own pin and gets the final two counts he needs to win the match. Complete opposite to the Akito Irie match in many, many respects. Um, but the thing that struck me was that match had the champion getting pinned three times and the challenger submitting twice. Yeah. And here we had a total combined count of, let me do some quick maths, 133. Yep. But nobody ever took an actual three count and there was still a winner. Hmm. So you even have an out for a rematch, which is neither we. Uh, there was a winner; somebody won the match, but neither of us was ever actually pinned for three. Oh yeah, it's they, There's a lot of different elements in there, and some of it is that you sometimes you actually wonder how much thought goes into these things or what they're thinking, and there's mm. there's some incredibly clever stuff and then there's let's hit each other with train tracks yes (laughs) yeah it is i think i think shunma and mal kind of suit each other really well as opponents in this type of match because they will both do absolutely anything and can do it as well i i honestly actually think if you're in a plunder match i think mal's best opponent in a plunder match is probably Shunma. They mm. they just really play off each other well. Yeah. So there we go. I think we've covered every title in DDT. Uh unless you have anything in particular to say about the Sea of Japan six person tag team championship, which no longer exists. Uh I did not even know that did exist. So <laughs> I have nothing to say on that. Thank you, Wikipedia. Uh and thank you uh to everybody uh who has been listening. 
to this episode. Thank wow, that was a really good out. Uh, I'm going to keep going, though. Um, uh, we appreciate every download. We appreciate every retweet. We appreciate every follower on Twitter. You can find this show on Twitter at ddteachpod, which is an address I keep getting wrong on other people's shows when I'm on those. Uh, you can find me at Kieran Edit, and you can find Mark at uh, at Monkey Buckles. You always forget the underscore. Oh, I always do un- forget the underscore. <laughs> it is at underscore Monkey. No, I. I've I'm not editing this out. You've got to get it right. I have only had one cup of tea, and if you know me, that is way too little caffeine for a day. Uh, <laughs> not enough. On Twitter, I am monkey underscore buckles. There we go. Uh, the other thing you should be keeping an eye on is yes. at must see matches on Twitter, uh, which is a project Mark started uh, to basically crowdsource uh, and survey wrestling fans on Twitter and find out what the matches you must see are. Um the results are in. The there is a big spreadsheet. The results are in and the results are out. It is a very big spreadsheet. I did not expect to get over a thousand. Uh, also, Kieran's not mentioned it. He has done a phenomenal job of helping me on this. And I want to put it out there in public. Uh, the, there's been an awful lot of semi-Columbo type work from his uh, end <laughs> for some of this stuff. I have been Kieran for internet detective. Believe me. There's some obscure stuff on this list. I have watched at least a couple of minutes of a lot of, let's call it Japanese shindy, like people you have never heard of in buildings that shouldn't have wrestling going on in them. Um, But it's been fun. It was fun. Uh, I've enjoyed being part of it. Um, The final spreadsheet's massive. I think it's 1,065 matches. It's got at least one nomination. Yeah. And so do you want to explain the Twitter thread that you have released? Okay, so I have so on the Mussy Matches uh, Twitter, I have released a thread, and literally, it's uh, so what we decided was uh, we would have a definitive list of Must See matches, and to get there, you had to have a certain number of votes because otherwise, yes. uh, the list is going to be way too long. And yes. so, percentage-wise, it works out at like four and a half percent, doesn't it? Yes. And 104 matches were nominated by 4.5% of the mm. people that sent in the list. So uh, the basically on the account, there is one thread that is uh, the... 104 uh, tweets long. 104 <laughs> tweets long. And that is, uh, that is uh, pinned at the top of the uh, Twitter feed. So if you want to find that list, that's the best place to find it. And it's just going through all the matches. And I am, uh, I'm was amazed at the amount of feedback that we actually had for all the project. Um, the Twitter uh, followers almost doubled, basically, from when we uh, released this. So wow. people really, really liked what they saw. And I love the list because it's so different, so varied. And for me... It was about seeing what you'd get if you said must see instead of saying what is your favourite match, what is the greatest match. Yes, it's not favourite, it's not best, it's what should, as a wrestling fan, what should you see. Um, This is not the end of what's being done with the data, we'll be talking more about that soon. Uh, But in the meantime, follow at must see matches on Twitter and all those other social things we put out there. Anything else? Uh, No, not really, I'm looking forward to having a nap. 
Me too. Uh, that's it for another episode. Uh, thank you very much, and goodbye. Goodbye.